Well, many of you know my family and I returned to the Evansville area back to Crossroads after 17 years of being gone. And uh, people ask me all the time, like, what's it like to be back? What's the same and what's different? Well, there's still construction on the Lord Expressway. So some things, you know, never change, right? Wow. And I also, I love going downtown Evansville. That's very different from when I was here before. I love the redevelopment that's taking place there. I love that there's a brew burger in the old Greyhound building. I mean, that's a clash of old and new together. I also love that we're addressing some issues intentionally, like homelessness and hunger. I love the fact that Newburgh and Evansville have kind of slammed together. You don't know when you leave one and enter the other. And I also love the fact that the churches in this area are partnering together like never before, praying for each other and with each other, and also working together to just move God's kingdom forward. And I just want to say from my family to all of you, it's so good to be celebrating Christmas here at Crossroads this year. You know, since 1949, the Social Security Administration has kept track of the names given to babies that are born throughout the year. And there's this guy, his name is Matthew Kolb. He works for uh, names.org. And what he does is he takes all that information from the Social Security Administration, and he also smashes it together with the Google short searches for names. And then he'll predict what are the most popular names for the year. Look at this list for 2019. This is the list of most popular names of kids. Look at the boys first. Uh, uh, staying number one from 18 to 19 was the name Liam. Noah remaining number two and then making a move from number five to three is the name Logan. Check out all those other guys' names there. I love number 10, Mason. I wanted to name all three of my kids named Mason, but not even the dog's name is Mason now. Like I just struck out four in a row. Uh, I grew up in Mason County, Kentucky. So I thought that'd be an awesome name for a child, but I could not convince my wife one bit. Look at the girls' names. Remaining number one from 18 to 19 is Emma. Moving from three to two is Ava. And then taking a slide from two to three is Olivia. I look at some of those other girls' names. Look at some of the older names that are coming back. That, that's really cool. You know, I know what every expectant mother and father is thinking right now. You're saying, Phil, we want our baby's name to be special, to be unique, to kind of stand out, right? Well, if that's what you want, if that's the reality you're looking for, I've got an early Christmas present for you. There's a guy named Mark Hooser, and he is known as Lord of the Names. And what he promises is to create a new, never been heard before name for your child. He promises to place special attention on the sound and rhythm. He wants there to be harmony between the first and last name. He promises to research the meaning and origin of the combination of words he puts together. He'll pay special attention to historic and cultural background. He also promises to search the, the 12 most common languages in our entire world to come up with a name for your child that's never, ever even been spoken. And all that work will only cost you $34,000. Yes, $34,000. Credible, right? This is his slogan. He says, we're not looking for children's names. We're creating them. I mean, that's a pretty cool offer, don't you think? Well, here around Crossroads for the past couple of weeks, during this Christmas season, we've been looking at the names given to Jesus the Messiah so that we can understand his identity. But bigger than that, we wanted to know how do we experience more of him in our lives? 
I don't know if you know this or not, but the name Jesus was a very common name in the first century. It was given to Jesus by the obedience to the instructions that the angel gave both Mary and Joseph. But the first century historian named Josephus, he recorded that many people were named Jesus in the first century. In fact, if you read the Bible, there are other men in scripture named Jesus other than this baby born in Bethlehem. The name Jesus actually comes from the Hebrew word Yeshua, and it's translated to Joshua in English, which means God saves. The Greek name is Yezu, and it carries the exact same meaning. But today I want us to look at a name that was given to Jesus that's unique. In fact, one that is so specific, it, it separates Jesus from any other person in history. And if we miss the significance of this name given to Jesus, we miss the meaning of Christmas as well as the meaning of life. The prophet Isaiah spoke in the Old Testament on behalf of God. And he spoke in a time of history where it was very dark socially and politically. There was hopelessness emotionally and spiritually. And while his words pronounced judgment and and punishment, they also offered hope and deliverance. When prophesying about this deliverance from God, the prophet Isaiah said that there would be a sign promised. Isaiah 7, 14 reads, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Every time in scripture the name Emmanuel is mentioned, there's always a description, an explanation of what that name means. It means God with us. The name Emmanuel is unique and it powerfully describes the the meaning of Christmas and I think the meaning of life. So let's just unpack those three words, the meaning of Emmanuel. Let's start with God. No other religion has the audacity to make such a claim, such an exclusive claim to be God. Only Jesus. You know, Jesus is not just a good teacher, as Western skeptics would say. He's not just the manifestation of divine principles or consciousness, like the Eastern mystics would say. Jews and Muslims would never say that that God became human. But Hindus and Buddhists, they would say that God could become human because God's in everything or in everyone. But the reality of this baby named Jesus being Emmanuel, which means God in human flesh, that's what separates Christianity from all other religions. It's also what causes people to be challenged by this truth. We can gain a clear picture of Jesus's identity as we watch people interact with him while his time here on earth. They recognized his deity. His character was pure and unquestionable even when criticized or challenged. His teaching was simple and unmistakable, even when ignored. His power was obvious and undeniable when he raised the dead and he healed people. And his love, his love was pure and irresistible, even when rejected. When people on earth encountered Jesus, they often knelt in his presence because they recognized his deity. And this entitled Jesus to make an audacious claim like he does in John 14, 6, when he says, I am the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. All throughout scripture, the proof of Jesus' deity is there. From prophets to pagans, anybody who encountered Jesus recognized that he was unique and it was because he is God. He is Emmanuel, God with us. 
This reality that God became into our world through Jesus to be with us, well, that's a conclusive evidence of his deity because he didn't stay away. He didn't choose to be elusive. He was real. He was intimate. He was legit. You know, it's easy to idolize or even worship someone or something when you keep them at a distance. Have you ever ordered a product online or maybe just watched a a commercial on TV and you decided to purchase that object? And when you get it home, it never performs like it seemed to be on the commercial or as advertised. You're a little frustrated or disappointed by that. When I was 10 years old, the only thing I wanted for Christmas was an authentic football outfit. And in those days, I was cheering for the Dallas Cowboys. Why? Because they're America's team, right? And every 10-year-old boy wanted to play for the Cowboys. Well, I remember that morning opening the box, and there it was, a, a football uniform. And as soon as I pulled that baby out of the box, I recognized that it wasn't the real thing. I mean, the helmet had no padding on the inside. It would have not protected me from my sister's punch. The the shoulder pads were just some cheap plastic all kind of sewn together with some material. The pants were way too short and the jersey, well, it had a big star on it, but it was not an authentic Dallas Cowboys jersey. And I was disappointed. I was disenfranchised. You know, there were many boys named Jesus in that first century. In fact, Jesus would have made the top 10 list of 3 AD. But there were also many people who came along and claimed that they were the Messiah. The Jewish people that Jesus encountered when he was here on earth, they would have been the least likely to accept Jesus as God and Messiah because of their understanding of religion as well as their worldview. They viewed God as distant, holy, yet unapproachable. They lived in fear and and separated from God because every time God appeared to them, it was with fire and smoke and a bunch of just unsettling experiences. They worshiped God from afar and they, and they didn't truly understand or appreciate him personally. So what would have led them to understand that Jesus was God? Well, he was with them. They saw him up in personal, up in close. They saw his glory that, that matched his claims. They, they noticed this transcendent personal holiness that also supported the claims about him. His tenderness and passion combined to just fulfill the claims about him. He was full of grace and truth. The word with does just doesn't speak of existence, but of experience. God was with us in relationship. Tim Keller says this. To say that God is with us goes beyond just saying that he came to earth. God with us means that he's in relationship with us. You know, there's many people in our world today who've tried to find meaning outside of God, without God. And there are those of you maybe here today who would like to experience God with you. Maybe you feel distant from God right now. You want to know how do you experience this God with us? J.C. Ryle says this. You'll never experience true life until you develop a personal intimacy with Christ, until you deal with him as you would your best friend. You turn to him at every need. You consult him at every step. You allow him to share in all your joys. You do things as in his sight and you go through every day leaning on him. In the year 2020, 
our church has made a commitment that we're going to study the life of Jesus by studying the book of John, the gospel of John. From January all the way through December, we're going to focus on just one book of the Bible because we believe the, the book of John gives us a really up close and personal view of who Jesus is. His identity, his deity, his character is reflected by the interactions that Jesus has with people. We want to learn how do we love and live like Jesus. And so I'd love for you just to hear what John says as a kind of conclusion to his gospel. John 20, verse 30 and 31, he says this. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe in Jesus, that he's the Messiah, the son of God. And that by believing you may have life in his name. When you leave here today, we're going to share with you uh, this gift and it includes an invitation. This gift is a journal. It's blank on the inside so that you can take note of the, the way Jesus lived and loved. You come back January 4th and 5th and journey with us all throughout the year, just getting a clear picture of who Jesus is, how we can obey him and follow him in his teachings and also share him with others. The invitation included kind of breaks down how we'll come through the book of John. And I pray that you'll come with us and join in with us. You know, God with us, that God part is a very exclusive claim. His promise to be with us is conclusive evidence of his deity. And this us part of it, well, it's very inclusive. I love to run. I try to run about three miles, three to four times a week. It's good for my mind. Maybe it's good for my body. The reason I love to run is because I love to eat. And it isn't really true that if you run, you can eat whatever you want. My waistline will prove that. But it is true that it kind of equals out things, all right? Well, because I love to eat, I love to go to Cracker Barrel for breakfast. Let me give you some insider trader information, okay? When you go to Cracker Barrel for breakfast, look for the and. Okay, here's what I mean. Like you can look at the list of breakfast options and there's the ones that have or. You can have bacon or sausage or hash brown casserole. Then there's those other magical menu items that have an and. You can have bacon and sausage and hash brown casserole. Stick with the and, my friends. Stick with the and, okay? I mean, this claim that Jesus is God is exclusive. But Emmanuel, God with us, is very inclusive. Emmanuel does not mean that God is with him or God's with her or God's with them. It means that God is with us. He wants to be with us, so he came to us, each and every one of us. He wanted a relationship with us. That's why he created us. He doesn't want us to be alone, helpless, hopeless, or weak. He created us to have a relationship with us and his withness that means he's come alongside. He's entered into a personal relationship with us. He wants to be intimate with us. It is God with us. And nobody knew that more than this young girl named Mary. Can you imagine her life? She's just minding her own business. And one day an angel shows up in her world and says, I've got great news for you. You're gonna get pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Try telling that to your parents. I mean, that last part he didn't say, but can you imagine, right? He's like, but this baby is not just an ordinary baby. It's a son. And this son is the promised Messiah. He is Jesus Emmanuel. I mean, this young girl named Mary, she, had, she was a devout woman of faith in God. She was well aware that her people needed delivered. And she was confident and held out hope that God would send Messiah. 
But she had to be overwhelmed, even terrified, when she was told by the angel she's going to become pregnant by the power of the Holy Spirit, give birth to a son. Her reaction to this was one of worship and of faith. I mean, she immediately burst out in song to God for his power, for his faithfulness. And then she makes a powerful declaration of commitment. She says this, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. What would possess this young girl to have that kind of acceptance of responsibility in the scrutiny of people, to go through the pain of pregnancy and childbirth and face the doubts of everyone around her? Well, I think the answer comes in the promise that was given to her by that angel. He said this, greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. The promise and reality of God being with her empowered her to believe and respond. And every one of us is highly favored because God is with us. And it should empower us to live with God and for God. Daniel chapter three has a very powerful picture of what it looks like for God to be with us. If you've grown up in Sunday school or you ever attended vacation Bible school, you're probably familiar with this story. It's about three Hebrew men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Talk about names. We chose to name our dog Shadrach. It's a great little fluffy dog, but one of the cool things about having a dog named Shadrach, it's a good litmus test for the boys that my teenage daughters bring home. In fact, when a boy comes with them and like, we say, hey, meet our dog, it's Shadrach. They go, oh, it's a cute little dog. And then they say, Shadrach, that's a weird name. Where'd you get that? I know that that young boy's not been in Sunday school too much. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Doesn't stick around too long after that either. Let me just say. But it's amazing what this wicked king did. He told all the people to bow before him. And Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego said, no way, we're not going to bow. And he said, okay, you're going to a fiery furnace. And immediately as they went into that furnace, the king observed and exclaimed, wait a minute, there's just not three guys in that fire. There's a fourth person. And that fourth person looks like the son of God. That's what it looks like to have God with you. God was with them in the fire and he will be with you no matter what. One of the things I've loved about coming back to Crossroads is reconnecting with old friends. But I've also enjoyed meeting new friends. And a set of new friends that I've met are Matt and Katie Tucker. I met them one Saturday evening after worship service. And uh, after sending them a follow-up email just to say it was nice to meet them, Katie shared with me that her and her husband were pregnant with a child. And at 13 weeks, they received some really difficult diagnosis that the child she was carrying uh, had been diagnosed with trisomy 18. That's a genetic disorder, which comes with it a whole host of abnormalities. I met Matt and Katie at week 25, and they had already made a very, very difficult decision. Going against all the recommendations of all their physicians, they had decided to not terminate the pregnancy. The likelihood of them having a healthy baby was minimal. And they were told just to kind of prepare for the worst. They said this baby may not make it full term, they said if the baby does make it all 40 weeks, it'll die within hours of being born. And if it survives, it'll face so many physical and mental abnormalities that, that it'll just be difficult for the child and for you. But nevertheless, the Tuckers persevered and they began making intentional decisions along the way to provide the best opportunity for this child to be born and to have the best chance of survival, even to thrive. 
They chose a name for their sweet baby girl, and it's Amara, which means one who will be forever beautiful, everlasting. On September 11th, 2019, Amara was born to Matt and Katie and big brother Truett. She weighed in at four pounds and eight ounces and was over 16 inches long. Katie's prayer right before delivery was just one request. God, would you let Amara cry just once when she's born so that I'll know that she was born alive? Well, not only did Amara cry, but over the past three months, Matt and Katie have been able to welcome this young girl into their arms and into their family. And she's become a miracle baby that they now get to celebrate life with. And not only the Tuckers have had the opportunity to hold Amara, but to, to welcome into their family and see the power of God at work. She's undergone multiple surgeries already. She's still being cared for in a neonatal intensive care unit at Vanderbilt's Children's Hospital in Nashville. And as I and many others here at Crossroads have prayed with the Tuckers and, and walked through this with them, everyone has recognized God's presence with them and his power at work. This little girl has amazed not only her parents and doctors, but every person who's met her. They're not just surviving, they're thriving. And Matt and Katie are resolute and they are confident, even though they'll face many challenges in the future, they have felt and continually sense that God's presence is with them. And that, my friend, is why we celebrate Jesus as Emmanuel, God with us. Christmas has never been about the presence. It's always been about his presence. God is with us no matter what, no matter what we're going through. The good, the bad, the ugly. A struggling marriage or a shortage of financially. An empty nest or the dysfunction of family gatherings at Christmas. Job loss or the stress of year end. Being addicted or being homeless. Getting engaged, getting married, having a baby, winning the lottery or finishing your Christmas shopping. God is with you. He is wonderful counselor who's caring, wise, and trustworthy. He's mighty God who is capable to help and deliver. He is prince of peace who reigns in heaven and on earth and in your heart. He's everlasting father who's patient and has never broken a promise. And he is Emmanuel, God with us. He's present and active in our lives. Tim Keller says this, if Christmas is right, then everything about Christianity makes sense. The prophecies, the miracles, the exclusive claims, the need not for just good works, but complete rest and trust and allegiance to Christ. But if Christmas is wrong, then everything about Christianity and life falls apart. He is Emmanuel, God with us. And that is the meaning of Christmas. God has never left you, he's never forsaken you, and he never will. God sent Jesus to let you know that you are not alone. That's the promise of Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. He'll never leave us or forsake us no matter what we're going through. You know, all other religions say that you have to be good enough or you've got to do good to be enough. But not Christianity. It just shoots straight with us and says, you'll never be good enough. And that's not a, 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 a moment of just desperation. It's a recognition that we need a savior. God just didn't show up to be beside us. He actually showed up to stand in our place.
That's what the name given Jesus means. The angel told Joseph, name him Jesus because he's going to save his people from their sins. And that's you and me. All of us have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. All of us need God with us. All of us need God to save us. And so I don't hope, I hope that no one in this room misses this moment right here to truly understand and maybe fully, maybe for the first time experience what it feels like for God to be with you, to save you. Some of you have been looking for meaning in life and purpose in life. You've been looking for someone just to walk with you. You can find no one else better than this one named Jesus. And my encouragement to you, if you've never made a decision to, to accept Jesus as your savior and just to say, I believe in who you came to be, then let today be that day. There's a card in the seat back in front of you who could, who can just let us know that, that that's a decision on your heart today. But maybe you're also here and maybe you once had this, you know, childlike faith. It wasn't in the magic of the holidays. It truly was in who Jesus is. But right now you would describe yourself as maybe feeling distant from God. I can tell you he's never moved, but he's also never quit chasing you. He's been pursuing you. He's why you're here tonight. He wants you just to know once again, he's never left you or forsaken you. He never will. He just wants you to turn to him, turn back to him. Maybe tonight you can just commit yourself once again to following Jesus. And maybe that, that'll change your life like never before. You know, maybe you're here and you have questions about this one we've been talking about all night. You just like to, to know more about him. Wherever you're at in that, I, I pray that all of us would truly not just mentally process, but truly lean into this experience of who Jesus truly is. We take inventory in our relationship with him. And tonight you wouldn't leave here without taking the time to just to express that in some way. You can fill out this card. You can drop it by one of those welcome tables we described earlier. Would you pray with me? God, I just want to say thank you for not Christmas, but Jesus. I want to say thank you for us coming together tonight to celebrate this one who has changed all of history, who stands out compared to anyone else, whose name is worthy of praise because the name Jesus means that we're saved. The mean Emmanuel means we're not alone. So God, tonight, we just want to receive the best gift we could ever be given. God, I pray that no one here would just like haphazardly sing a song or think about this, but all of us would lean in, would just let you wrap your arms around us. If we find peace with you tonight because of what, who Jesus is and what he offers to us, to be with us, to save us and to lead us. So God, I pray that as we say yes to that, that God, that begins to change who we are. And just like the angels and the shepherds and everybody declared glory to God in the highest, God, I pray that people would be directed toward you. They would glorify you because of what you are doing in us and through us. God, we offer this prayer through the name above all names, the name of Jesus. Amen.